each and every one of the church. By the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And here's the question to everyone of us. If we pick up the word gospel, what how we can read verse 10? Any volunteers? If you take off the word gospel here, any volunteers to read that verse? Yes. Verse 10 only. Verse 10 only. Granted to us not by deeds, 
but through the gospel. We can hear nice stories. Unfortunately, now many preachers using nice stories. And you can go home remembering one or two stories, but with no power. Because it's the power of the world. God is talking to you and is talking to me. Without this power, power we had a nice time in the church, listening to a sermon. In each, we had a nice show, two stories, and that's it. But I'm still the same person, enjoying my life. And here, thank you, John Christon is continuing. This is the subject of hope that has been fulfilled in his body by the cross. And how does it become fulfilled in us through the cross? The message is very clear and very simple, but it's not my name, because I am saying so. And then you are finding good excuses. Jesus was using parables here, and he was using stories here. But in the same time, he was giving the clear instructions, clear commands. It's not about only parables. I'm not saying don't use parables, but without the word of God, you are missing the power of God. The question says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 that the word of God is power to those who are saved. It's the power of God. It's not only common words. Second point to see the richness of the world and the importance of this choice of gospel or non gospel. Let me ask you about the main characters in 2nd Kings chapter 7. There are many who put aside the Syrians and their king and all the things. These are maybe the six main characters in the story. The prophet Elisha, king of Israel, the soldier, the poor liver, the guard of the gate, and the king's council. Is there anyone missing more? I think. Sorry? It's the food itself. The most important part is missing here. The people themselves. Those who get the benefit. You know the four people changed the life or changed converted the story upside down from a famine to a sea of wheat with one shekel or two shekels. So who are the main beneficiaries here? It's the congregation. It's your family. It's your Sunday school. Kids or your youth that you are serving. You see that your choice is not affecting you only. That's why when you are seeking, uh, when you say we need to make a revival, all those who studied the revival of the Old Testament and the New Testament said the revival is a personal revival. Start the personal revival. Then you can have a revival in Sunday school. But it should start on a personal level. And if only one person picked up his fire, the fire will go everywhere. You imagine that you can't find a person to start to this ignition to be able to feed the whole people. You can say afterwards, those three, four people, they were the ones. If you imagine, the city of Samaria, if this is the city, 
and the people, the good people are inside, hungry, dying from the famine. The four lepers are outside the, the city, and then the army around them. So there is three options. Home allocated in the story. If you go here, we'll die. If we stay where we are, we'll die. Is one option we may live if you go in this direction and be active. I'll tell you something. Sometimes it is. I'm convinced now. There's a direction of life to what I'm going to do. Nothing. You imagine the prodigal son. He sat down with himself. He came back to his own senses and said, I'm in the wrong place. Emotionally, he was drained. His mind was telling him, you are stupid to leave all what you have left and to stay here. Then now we came again. Nothing has been done. If you believe that the human soul is thoughts, emotions, and actions, well, the zeal of them should participate in my repentance. If this, those four lepers said, yes, this is the direction of life, but they are not going to move, you receive nothing. And two people of us attended many times retreats, conferences, and it was very nice to say, What is your decision? My mind is saying you have to do something. And maybe in the energy or in the prayer meeting, you have tears even that how come I reach this one? What is your decision? To activate your will? Nothing. And it's easy to say, my will is too weak. But the Bible is telling us to know. As such. We go back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. St. Paul, we look at it in God who works in you to will. He's telling us the will is not a static noun, it's a dynamic verb. Why? Because God is feeding it. When you believe the line that you have a static will, you try to find anything, and you believe it's a dynamic verb. And God is who works in you to win. That's why the main thing is yourself. It's your family. It's your class. It's everyone around you. Strange enough to find someone like Elijah. Elijah is a prophet of the kingdom of the north. The kingdom of the north didn't worship God for a single day. And he started to prophesy maybe in the year 860. The division happened in 931. And after 70 years of not worshiping God, if you go to 1 Kings chapter 16, out of nowhere, a big fiery prophet called Elijah is worshiping God. So what did he get? He is in contact with God. And once he believed that he's the only one worshiping him, he doesn't know. But still another 7,000 knees didn't worship the Lord. From where they picked up this fire, we don't know. But he's telling us a certain person can be in a, in a nation where there is no worship of God. Would you like to start in your family, in your class, in your whatever you are doing? Or you feel that still and bad? We were the worst, and God used them for His glory. That's why the majority of the beneficiaries really did nothing. But they were waiting for the four to move. 
many around you. Look at your hand. Sarufim of Saruf. He is saying, acquire the Holy Spirit, which leaves me in on this fire. Obey the word of God. Be in a continuous life of repentance. So what is going to happen? And thousands around you will be saved. Without preaching this, because they saw the fire of the, the, the light of God in you. It's time to take it in a personal level. You could be the light of your family. It doesn't matter if your wife is not cooperating with you or your husband is not cooperating with you. Start being the light. And then the fire will go everywhere. It doesn't matter if the servant or servant with you is not active enough. Start by yourself. And the fire will go everywhere. When you acquire something divine, it couldn't be conquered at all by any earthly power. And this is what we heard in 2 Kings 7.16. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. We were thousands of people in famine, hungry and thirsty, and we have nothing at all. If you read chapter 6, it says, A head of a donkey was sold for 80 shekels. But now everything has been changed. Why? Because four people accepted the calling to pick up the fire and to spread the good news. So what sort of riches am I looking for? If the individuals are going to be thousand through four people, or even through one person, what sort of riches am I looking for? I said a few minutes ago that the major problem for us, or for any religion, or for any philosopher, he's saying, how to sort out the problem of this? What is going to happen after this? Is the voice something to know? There is no this. Or after this, there is nothing. Don't worry, enjoy your life. What is the message of the gospel? What is the riches that I can have through the world with you? Let us share this couple of verses. John chapter 8, verse 51 to 53. He is the Lord is speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You believe it? Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never test this. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? If you read the next few verses, he didn't say, Sorry, I don't mean it. He meant it. So, here is the email of Saint Saint First of all, it is confirmed by double negation. In Greek, double negation is most assuredly. Shall never see this. So, it's 
ahead and a firm step. A second thing is something in your hand and in my hand. If you keep my word. Doesn't mean to read it only. It's to keep it in your heart actively as a source of life. So this is my portion. But the key word is the word see. Have six different words in Greek translated the word see. This one is not the physical side. It's when your heart and mind is taken somewhere else. In a very simple analogy, if someone watching a football match or a film or whatever it is, and his wife is saying, he's your team. He didn't listen. He didn't see it. Why? Because his mind and his heart is taken in one direction. Maybe after the match or after the film, he's asking, where is my team? What? His wife is saying, five times, I will hear the team and you know it. So it's not about physical seeing, it's about where is your mind? Where are your heart? Is it visible or not? What is the book with? Because finances. But first we need to know what this means. There is no this. Shall we never see this? The church father said they are not going to pass through the horror of physical death. Give them name. Hebrews 2.9. Saint Paul Philip, Jesus went through it, not for all, but for everyone. The big difference. He tasted this, you can at the end of the, uh, of the verse. By the grace of God, my test this for everyone. He died for me and for you in person. So he went through. Is it a, a proof in the Bible that it has been done as such and lived as such? Yes. Go to Acts chapter 7. Will you find Saint Stephen doing exactly his identity? Clear demonstration of this verse. The whole chapter 7 is Saint Stephen is reaching from Abraham to Jesus, telling the whole story of salvation from Abraham to Jesus. He knows the word, he keeps the word in his heart and his mind. So let us go back to chapter 6. When they choose the deacons, they said, We have to care about preaching. We are going to be the ministers of the world. We need ushers just to help in putting the tables for eating and to care about the orders. So we are not talented in preaching. But all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them kept the word. While it is not their own main duty in the church. So how come someone will choose him just to be an usher in the church. And then he's preaching the whole gospel from Abraham to Jesus. What happened in the end? When they heard these things, what are these things? The message, the word of God from the beginning. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. Where are your heart? What, where was his heart and mind? He is not looking at those who are going to stone him. His mind was in the world. 
His heart was full with the Holy Spirit. His eyes opened to see heaven and see the Son of God there. Did he pass through death? No. He had something more. But again, the key is, Yeshua, Yeshua, whoever keeps my word, most assured, if you keep my word, you shall never see this. Verse 57, and they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city, and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus Christ, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. It was a Christ child. was not bothered I saw Christ at the right hand. I saw my humanity at the right hand of the Father. I have this is where my mind and my heart are taken. Do it. Stone me. I'm not going to see this at all. I'm not going to see this at all. And he saw it by his own eyes. He saw heaven are open, and now I'm going to enjoy it forever. So when we keep the word, this has no power in our life. Our minds, our hearts are taken always in heaven and into heaven. Saint Jerome, let us study while we are on earth that reality which will stay in our minds also when we are in heaven. This is the reality. And St. Basil called it, we have to contemplate in the actual reality. This is the enduring, everlasting reality. It's not about your success on earth only. Be successful, but you know for sure it's limited to time. Even if you are going to work for 50 or 60 years, it's still going to be fine. But you have something everlasting. And this is our calling. Not to test death at all. Then he is telling me, it's more than that. If you keep the word, you will never test it. But what sort of life are you going to live? A miserable life on this earth? No. And this is number four. How to become this micro heaven? It's easy to say, I can't resist sin. I'm very weak. But when we see our calling, we said in the first talk, our calling is to be partakers of His holiness. Through what and how? Go back to John chapter 14 and verses 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word again. There's always a human part, and then divine part, you cannot do it by your own at all. So a sign of our love to him is to keep his word. And then, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Who is coming, coming, coming and going to make his home in you? Is the father and the son. Do you accept the Father and the Son to make home in your heart, in your mind, or not? 
and the key is in your hand. Love the Lord, keep his word. So the richness of the word makes me a home for the Father and the Son. And I'm sure you know the verse in 1 Corinthians 3.16. St. Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If now the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit make him home in you, are you not a micro living? The in-willing place of the whole Trinity? Can you sin if you are the in-willing place of the whole Trinity? If you are heaven, then put them in Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven. It's not giving us a nice analogy. It's giving us our new reality. You become an in-willing place the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So sin becomes an alien to our nature. All our passions are alien to our nature. So which nature are you living with? Are you living with the alien passions, you or your real calling? From day one, since you are baptized, our citizenship is in heaven. In Arabic, I am sorry. In Greek and in our citizenship is in heaven. It's our citizenship in heaven. Even in the epistle of St. Paul to the collection of Paul, he's saying in Arabic, live according to the truth of, of, of Christ. The word or live, it is the root verb of citizenship. Which means you have to show your nationality through your deeds. If you are living in Eve, I am not expecting you to speak rather than the language of Arabic or Coptic or whatever it is. So is your language clear to others? He is telling me you are called to be a mighty heaven. An indwelling place in the Holy Trinity. Sin will vanish. Look at that. In the fashion of Saint Cyril, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the sacraments, upon the bread and wine, sin will vanish from our members. Why? Because we pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon us as well, to make us a mind of heaven through abiding in the world. And in Arabic, it's very weak, especially this verse in John 14 20. It's a home. It's not a visitation. It's an indwelling place. Even the word abode, which is meno in Greek, it's the same word the Holy Spirit used it in John chapter 1, verse 32. When then John the Baptist was baptized in Christ, said, the Spirit told me the one whom the dove will come and abode on him. The Holy Spirit abiding in him. The same word used again in John chapter 16 when the Lord was saying us, I will send you another comfort. He will remain in you. It's the same word meaning to abide and to dwell and to make us a home for him. So he's doing it. If you love me, you keep my word, and I will come 
and make our home in him. We are called, we are called through the richness of the world, through keeping the world to be an intimate place of the Holy Trinity. There's a very famous book, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you know the roots of the Christian mysticism by Oliver Kemp. It was sharing the meaning of the mystical power in the world. And here what he is quoting. Already in scriptures is an aspect of incarnation. You see God portraying himself in the word of God. Scriptures embodies the world, and the incarnation of the world completes the transformation into Eucharist of the hearing or reading the word or reading the word. It is the Eucharist of mind. He said in the morning, we need we have two communities according to one of not all the church father. That's the communion of the written word through the liturgy of the word, and then the communion of the incarnate word in the end of the liturgy. So he's telling us it's the Eucharist of the mind and then the Eucharist of the body. And here what he's adding. In truth, that before Jesus, scriptures was like water, but since Jesus, it has become for us the wine into which Jesus changed the water. What does it mean? We can think the scripture as just for us, especially the Old Testament. But when we see Jesus in it, we see the conversion. How he is converting water into wine to become the Eucharist of wine. So if you keep my word, you shall be, shall see, know this. If you keep my word, love me, you keep my word, and we will come and make home in Him. What else? What sort of richness I can have to the world more? If I'm becoming the dwelling place of the Trinity, if there is no death in my life, if the matter is not gospel or not gospel, death or life, it is telling me only divisions, three verses will share together. And then think of them as much and as long as you can to see the regions of the world. In Ephesians 3.19, St. Paul is telling us, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, again, passes knowledge, you can't comprehend it with your mind, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Fullness, here the word in Greek, belroma. Yeah, very nice word, but I don't want to go into the detail of it now. But I would like to you the same word used in the three verses that I'm going to share with you now. You are invited to the fullness of God the Father, to enjoy the fullness of the love of God the Father. Can you comprehend it in your mind? No way. I'll tell you one more thing. In John chapter 17, verse 23, the Lord was praying in the last few hours or minutes before he was going to be betrayed. And he was telling the Father, you love them as you love me. You believe that the Father loves you in person, like he loves his only beloved son, Jesus Christ? This is what was he praying for. And he was not telling something allegorically, no. Because few hours, this was on Sabbath day, few hours before, what happened? He instilled the Eucharist and gave him his body and his blood and united them with him. And we can see now, we cannot be loved less than the love 
Christ, because the Father loves the Son eternally, unconditionally, with unlimited love. And they have no place except in Him, in the Eucharist. So when we see that He wants to give us, you may be filled with the fullness of God the Father and His love, because you are in Christ, again, through abiding in the world. Through seeing this Eucharistic meal for the mind and for the body and soul as well. In the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 13, St. Paul is telling us, it's not only the fullness of God the Father and His love, it is till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, still the knowledge of the King. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We give all the grace of the Son. What is the grace of the Son? According to Saint Peter, the grace of the Son, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is to bestow His life to be used. Saint Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter four and verse ten that the life of Christ may be manifested in your mortal bodies. Not less than that. When we have the community, it's an exchange of life. I'm giving him my mortality, receiving his immortality. Which could have happened when we would giving for us our salvation, remission, and the eternal life. It's real. It's not something that to be nice, we said in the end. It's the reality of what we receive. So I think you receive the fullness. We aim to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The same word, the Roma. Once more, 518 is telling us to be filled with the Spirit. The same If your partner is the Holy Spirit himself, the communion, the gift, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Can you say, I can't make it? I can't understand who is the author of the Word of God? It's the Holy Spirit who dwells in you from day one. Saint Paul in Romans 5, 5, and hope does not disappoint. Why? For the love of God has been poured out of our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us, which will be given to us, is already given to us from day one. You can't say I like it. Maybe you can ignore it. You can say I, I don't know it, but still it is. Give it for you after me. So if he is inviting me for the fullness of a life with the Holy to make me a mind forever, to be indwelt with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit again through the world, if you keep my word. So if such Jesus is offered to each and every one of us, how much we can ignore it? And for how long we can ignore it? And then you say, we are starving. Life is too hard. We are all from the regime, yes, it's true. But you have the means to be victorious. Are you going to lose the means that have been given to you? Or you are still, or you won't ignore it again, I say. And the easiest way is to blame God. He didn't do it for me. I didn't get the right job. I didn't marry the right person. I wish my kids were not as such. What else? What more excuses do we have? Why we have such riches? St. Paul was amazed in Hebrews 2. Because how we can ignore such salvation 
such beauty over to us, how we can ignore it? There's something wrong. And we are here to encourage each other. This is our riches. This is what we are called to enjoy. Elena Christian Paul in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. We are called to be partakers of a heavenly glory. He's asking you in person this evening. What is your heavenly glory? Are you in it? Are you enjoying it? Are you achieving the most of the potential of your heavenly calling? Or it's not me. I'm a human being. Yes. But you are called to be a heavenly human being. Not an earthly one. Because your relationship has been changed from day one. Since you came to him. And more. And more when you go to each and every promise in the world of God. We have no limitation to this. Do you remember Psalm, the long Psalm? How many verses do you have about again? What is the longest Psalm? 23. How many verses? Again? Has the Lord? 76. 176. Why? 27. 22 verses, because each one is tied to one of the hebrews. are 22. And each one has eight verses. And each verse in each passage starts with the same letter that is the title of For example, the first passage starts with letter Aleph in Hebrew. Each verse starts with the letter Aleph. But believe it or not, I'm not sure if you must or not. 174 out of the 176 are talking about the word of God. Your status. Your commands, your words, your laws, your precepts. Except verse 122 and verse 132. So if the whole psalm is reading the word of God, if the whole psalm is telling us we have no hope outside the word of God, how much more if the Lord is telling us, if you keep my word, you shall never see this. If you keep my word, I will, we will come and make home with him. Let me share with you one more verse. But let me ask first, what was it? Why was a shame for the lady who had kids when she was married to Zechariah? Or for any Jewish woman? Why it was shameful for a woman in the Jewish culture to have kids? To the missing of Christ. And bind them as a sign in your hand, and they 
shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lay down, and when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and in your gates. This is why it was shameful for a Jew not to have kids. He is not able to do it. So what is the benefit of doing it? Next verse. That your days and the days of your children be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of heavens above the earth. This is the reproach of a Jew who does not have kids. That his days are not going to be the days of heaven above the earth. There was no Sunday school for them. They are teaching the kids of others. Now that it is not there anymore. But the real reproach that my days are not going to be like the days of heaven because I don't, I don't talk to my kids while they are walking, sleeping, sitting. Going in and out to the world of God. And this is telling us today Are you ready to convert your days from the days of misery and the days of heaven above the earth? It's good for us. The richness is offered to each and every one of us. Not say I will do it, but start doing it. Maybe tonight. If you are here with your family, if you are going home, start tonight. With your family, with your kids, with your wife, with your husband, even with yourself, start to convert your days from this place to heaven, the days of heaven on earth. Let me finish with the words of Saint Francis in his famous book on the incarnation, and this is the last chapter, chapter 30, 50. So, in his book, uh, the letters to Saint uh, Sarabi and the Bishop. He was telling him, we receive the word. I said early in the morning that when we speak about the scripture, it's according what we received from the church, how it was explained by the fathers, and then we and he is confirming to us. But beyond these scriptures, scripture saying, let us look at the very tradition, how to read the word in the church. Teaching and, and faith of the Catholic Church from the beginning which the Lord gave, the apostles preached, and the fathers kept, it is in his first letter and paragraph 28. It is the understanding of the church of the scriptures. Most of the words I try to connect with what the father said, to tell you it is not my understanding. It is a church interpretation of these verses. Finally, again, we connect everything with the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is another conversion. That's why we believe, we said, the Father said, we have two communions in the, in the liturgy, right? There's also two conversions in the liturgy. The first conversion, the Holy Spirit is changing the bread and wine into bread and uh, body and blood of Christ. And also changing every repentant person into a holy man. When I is praying together, and we ask the Holy Spirit to descend upon us, and these gifts change them, hallow them, and manifest them for sanctification of our sins. But there's another conversion. 
Bring from the new noise. Just immediately after that, we send the other spirit. I want to sing what? Make us all worthy now. To partake of your rules and to become one body. So we are not individuals anymore. We are constituting the one body of Christ. That's why we spoke yesterday in the church. I don't have a hatred or unhappiness anymore. Why? Because I am in this one body. I cannot be separated. Saint Augustine is telling us when you come to church every time, you go home differently. Through the liturgy of the world and through the Eucharist, what come to heaven? I, Christ, this is in his book, The Confession. I, Christ, am the food of the full grown men, everyone in the church. Grow and you shall feed on me, but you shall not change me into your own substance as you do with the food of your body. When we eat fish or vegetables or whatever it is, it is converted into my own substance. But when you eat the it's totally the opposite. And instead, you shall be changed into me to believe Christ's Christ life. Our God home after the Eucharist, mesh as we came in. Everyone is going home as a Christ life. Why? Because I came for a full exchange of life. I go home as a full indwelling place of the Holy Name through the Eucharist, through the liturgy of the world, and through the liturgy of the faithful. Are not here to act as Christians or to perform a liturgy are in the presence of the Holy Name for a full conversion every time. Whenever you come before the Lord, we will never go home as we came here. This is the richness which is offered to each and every one of us. May the Lord give us the strength of our star, a city of star, to enjoy its homes. May the will of Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever and ever.